Friends and enemies, it's episode 54 of This Machine Kills. I'm Jathan, joined by Ed and producer Jeremy, as always. And uh, we're just going to roll right into it, because today we're joined by uh, an excellent guest, a long time coming, a host of the great podcast, The Trillbillies and a Time of Monsters, the poster formerly known as Posadas Trap God, reborn again as Thaddeus Stevens. We got Aaron Thorpe. Great to have you on the show at last. Jason, that was an amazing introduction, especially uh, R.I.P. to uh, Posada's Trap God. But uh, thank you for having me on, y'all. So, <laughs> did, did Posada's Trap God get did did that uh, account get nerfed because you like tweeted at Kristen Cinema to fall in a volcano or something? <laughs> I, I said that uh, from what I heard, allegedly, uh, Posada's Trap God he was banned for hoping that she would fall into a geothermal natural formation. Man, we're not even allowed to hope anymore. <laughs> really? Exactly. I, they get people for that? <laughs> yeah. I, I really do think, like, it's an algorithm of just, like, you know, the word, like, a sort of, like, uh, active, like, verb, like, hope, like, fall, you know, and hope you would. It doesn't matter what it was. I could have said, you know, I hope you fall into, like, a dog or a cow or, like, you know, and they probably would have banned me. Well, if I said something like, I hope you fall into great success and a long life. <laughs> like, no, man, that's, yeah. that, that's, that's, that's not okay because you're hoping. You're not allowed to hope on this website. The contradiction would have created like a fritz with the algorithm where it would have had to, you know, like uh, decide whether or not, you know what I mean? It was a Schrodinger's uh, ban. I <laughs> uh, we were talking before we started recording that like, Last week we had some pretty pretty doom-pilled episodes because we were talking about like the business model of big pharma, uh, vaccine nationalism, vaccine apartheid, uh, the fucking like necropolitics of billionaires and shit like that. And and you know when, when you start trying to confront stuff like that, uh, it's it, it's 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 really difficult to not fall into the doom and gloom. One of the things that uh, I think maybe one of the first times that I, I I heard you on a podcast and not just like reading your your tweets, Aaron, was on um, the Antifada when you were talking about Posadism and you were talking there with Comrade Andy about it and like and I think this was maybe the first time I'd ever even heard of Posadism. So I, I definitely want to talk to you about that. Like, could you just give us a little rundown? What is Posadism? Yeah. Uh... I can I can definitely talk about the ideology, uh, and I'm going to recommend first before like I even get into it is uh, this book by uh, Andy. Um, I want to believe uh, Posadism, UFOs, and Apocalypse Communism, and uh, it's a really good book. Like uh, not just about the ideology, but Jay Posadas and the impetus for wanting to create this 
apocalyptic futuristic futuristic sub tendency of Trotskyism, mm. you know. Um, so I guess what it is, man, is that <laughs> so it's this batshit insane uh, theory and practice and really a sub party, you know, um, that Jay Posada says he's an Argentinian that he formed in the 50s and the 60s. And I kind of think it was a response to obviously the threat of nuclear annihilation, mm. you know, um, not just between, you know, the of the United States, but on behalf of the Soviet Union as well. Right. Like that brinkmanship eventually was going to boil over into actual like nuclear holocaust. And it it is sort of a synthesis of this barbarism, but also like boundless optimism that uh, n- through nuclear warfare, right, communism would eventually arise with the help of not only uh, UFOs who already achieved communism. And I guess I can get into kind of like that and why that like, if aliens exist, they're probably comrades, mm-hmm. uh, but also dolphins. Like Jay Passat has believed that dolphins had a telepathic link with human beings. But um, it took me a while to figure out that all yeah. the people with the dolphin emoji in their like in their Twitter names, I'm like, oh, okay, that's Passatism. <laughs> like, like that's some like <laughs> yeah, UFOlogy exactly. type of like like communism shit. Okay, okay. <laughs> Have you ever seen like a dolphin brain? Like the 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 even visibly what you can see in terms of like the grooves, you know, which indicate like a uh, uh, neural connections. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's insane. Like their brains. Like I look at that and I'm like, man, dude. Like oh, a million years from now, you know, if we don't kill ourselves, like you know, we'll be like that in terms of just empathy, you know, and communication. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah, so that is sort of appealing you know but generally i i don't know like uh i I guess not to ramble but i think it's appealing because it it came about again like as a meme during 2016 right Mm -hmm. with bernie and i mean meme culture already then through the proliferation of like social media like twitter and all that like it was already a thing but to use it to send a political message that was sort of nihilistic but also like for a generation with no future again like looking towards the stars like literally you know yeah so i think that's why i like i like that because like yeah there's a lot of talk about like gen z being the the doomer generation right as like a kind of like like dialectic to the boomers right the boomers just had you know everything was given to them they were they were growing up in a time of great economic prosperity and all that, you know, depending on who you were, right. Depending on, on, mm-hmm. on, you know, if you were yeah. white and living in the suburbs and stuff, but like, you know, and, and the, the doomers are kind of like confronting this, yeah, this, this, this world with no future, this world that everything is in the past. Like, you know, it's the, it's the end of history in the sense that like everything is just going to be shitty forever. Right. Like, like all historical transition and future development has just halted. And I like the way that you framed this kind of rise of the Posadism meme as this kind of like, you know, if there's no future, you might as well, as you put it in a, in a DM we were having, might as well shoot for the stars, literally. Right. Yeah, literally. And I mean, like, I think especially with the ufology, right, of Posadism, like, I'm not an expert on this, right, but I used to get really high and I used to uh, just watch, like, you know, uh, 
science videos, but like speculative science, you know, and I thought a lot about like UFOs because like, man, you know, if you look at like just the night sky, man, and you look at just the fact that these stars, like how many of them there are, you know, mm -hmm. you begin to wonder like, man, we're like orbiting around a star. We're alive. What else exists out there? There's this, uh, the, the Fermi paradox, right? Um, which was coined by a radiologist. What he said was that if there are billions of stars out there, right? Um, and hypothetically then, like billions of planets, galaxies that can harbor life, like then, or at least millions, right? Then why haven't we been contacted yet? Mm. And, you know, there are, there's like the zoo hypothesis, which says that uh, we are being sort of um, studied, right? And observed, right? Uh, by this technolo technologically advanced like species that like, I think Arthur C. Clarke said that advanced technology would appear to magic, mm -hmm. right? As someone who doesn't understand what it is, right? And um, that or maybe the fact that like, they just don't want to fuck with us, like a prime directive kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek. Or maybe, we're, yeah, some Star Trek shit, which is really fucked up. <laughs> and like, anti-solidaristic actually i think right. yeah I, and or maybe we're just really fucking alone but i think you know based on that sort of like there has to be life out there I, I i'm not saying there has to be but i believe so right maybe this is like idealistic of me but if they are out there why i guess they could be barbarians that would invade us and take our resources but if you have the capacity to travel between stars right and like you know harness the energy of your entire not just planet but maybe solar system you know uh to create like faster than light technology and then why the fuck would you not want to be a comrade what like why wouldn't it be like communitarianism right and communalism and solidarity why wouldn't that be inherent you would have to get to that point in order to like create these technologies to like save yourself so i yeah. think that's the optimism of Masada's. For me, especially with science fiction, it's never vibed with me the idea that alien species would like invade us and take our resources. It's like it's one planet. And, you know, if you can, like you said, if you can travel across the stars, I mean, that's like such an incredibly intensive thing. If you're just sending shit out there to explore or to go to far flung planets, you're not going to go there for like one planet's resources right you're going there i mean you you presumably already have like a massive industrial capacity where you can make macro structures right spaceships or space yard or it's because you'd have to build the shit in space you know seriously right so why would you just travel thousands of light years or hundreds of light years to blow up or bomb get water shit out of some, yeah to get water come on you can make water i'm sure i'm sure if you can make a giant fucking spaceship you can make some water you know? i think it just goes as a sign of uh, humanity's self-importance to think that you know the only thing that they want from us is our resources it's just the you know sense of like going back to the libertarian shit you know just jealousy because i've got things that you don't have yeah yeah, it's our barbarism. <laughs> right. Know? It's that's the mirror that's going. Exactly, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It was like it really strikes me cuz yeah, so much of our uh like like culture, like our cultural production around sci-fi and stuff really does have this viewpoint. I mean, that's what all of the fucking like like that's what the Justice League is. That's what the Avengers is, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, these fucking, right. you know, god-like right. evil beings that are just on this this, you know, 
rampage across across the universe, it really does strike me as a kind of the, a paranoia of the imperialist, right? That the that the empire will be you know, will be sacked by some bigger, greater empire that that's out there somewhere waiting to to do imperialism on the U.S. It really does kind of speak to this this poverty of imagination in capitalism that only sees like, you know, if, if, there, if there is some great technologically advanced race out there, then it's going to have, it's going to be an existential threat because when we are the great technological civilization, uh, we are an existential threat. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I think that poverty of imagination that you just said, Jathan, is that, you know, we envision like technology since the industrial revolution, right? Like, think about the fact that, like, yo, motherfuckers wasn't trying to monopolize on, like, the discovery of fire. You know what I mean? Like, we lived in, like, communal, like, societies. I'm not saying, like, I want to go back to, like, some primitive communism. But you know what? That was a fucking lot better, you know what I mean, for a lot more people, relatively speaking, you know, than now. You know, even with the advantage of, like, medicine, right? Of, like, communications, of things that would make our lives easier. But... It's because whenever we use technology, right, under a capitalist society and the way that we envision it, it's always about like, what can I get out of it, right? It's always about, even through science fiction, well, these aliens are using their technology to come and harness our resources instead of using it, which I guess Star Trek ostensibly, you know, even though I think it's a actually a fascistic uh, depiction of a military space fucking complex, but whatever, People get mad about that, but I don't know. I just think it is. <laughs> they get mad about it because they're like, oh, man, like they don't have money. They don't have uh, any basis of a capitalist system. It's like, yeah, but they got a military. <laughs> they got guns. Why, why, are you, why are you saying that you're going to explore space and you have guns? Just in case. You were talking about <laughs> the invention of, uh, you know, the discovery or invention of fire. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made here that the that human civilization would actually be far more advanced. There was like Bill Gates around there that could, you know, do like some intellectual property on fire <laughs> and, uh, you know, patent that shit and, and really make sure that it's only used for good. <laughs> And he would have armed guards there. I mean, right. they're armed only because they want to protect, like, the future investment of fire. That's right. For everyone's good. You can't just... They would make sure that you... You can't just light matches because, you you know, you want to heat your food. That's squandering. Or That's squandering a resource. Kill. Exactly. Exactly, mm-hmm. yo. And, and obviously, we live in a society where we cannot squander, like, technological resources, which I think Posadism, again, is, like, appealing because, like, it's this idea that after the alien comrades save us, right? And uh, sort of do, I don't know, I like the movie Contact, right? So I think a lot of like, in a positive light, when we look at like uh, movies, fiction about extraterrestrials, they actually want to help us, you know? They would, you know, help us with their advanced technology to not exploit the planet, but live in a sustainable communal way, right? But not in a stone age, right? Uh, Well, I guess we would, be in a stone age for a period after the apocalypse, the nuclear apocalypse, but they would help us uh, be reborn, right? As a new beings. Mm. I guess that Marx kind of, you know, thought about, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the thing that is like most interesting to me about this is that something like Posadism, 
yeah, at least it allows us to think of different different narratives, different stories to tell. Yeah, why why wouldn't like why like like Ed said, like why are we looking in the mirror and projecting on uh, you know, if there is some alien race out there that they would be exactly like us and not like something different. You know, it, I think that, and this is something we talk about from time to time on, on TMK is that like, you know, we need to look to the past to, to find these kind of like real utopias, right? Like find these, these instances like, you know, Project Cybersyn in Chile or the Lucas plan, uh, you know, stuff like that is like, these these kind of like real utopian movements do exist and there are examples and precedents that we can look to and draw inspiration from but i like this because it's like and we should also be looking to the future as well for like what would like some real utopianism look like in the future why is it always got to be uh like the like the gritty reboot of this shit why is it always got to be like uh an invasion rather than a collaboration talking about the past i think about like this essay that uh david graeber and uh, david wengro wrote two years ago i think that's sort of like an intro to a seed of what the book that they're supposed to have come out this year um i think it's still coming out even though graeber passed away but it's basically on like you know myths about human social origins right because these myths these conceptions we have about how human society started feed in or narrow the imagination, right? The idea that we are locked in this eternal struggle, that inequality has been following us since agricultural revolution, and that when in reality, you know, if you go back, as they do, you know, then talk about how most people, you know, it was communal, right? It wasn't tiny bands of hunter-gatherers. There was some affluence. There was egalitarianism. Even in the first cities, there were a lot of, like, there was a lot of common and public infrastructure. And, like, thinking through, okay, why is it that we went away from uh, initially egalitarian and communal system to uh, strictly or unequal and hierarchical society is really, really important because that sat at the bedrock of like how we think about humans for the past few thousand mm. years, right? To the point where we can't even, when we're talking about an alien, like a literal, an alien that is external to human like experience, we're just saying, oh yeah, what if they like invaded like we did yeah. in the past? Exactly. Years, exactly. Right? You know, and I think that's like I that's why I always wish that anthropology was taught, you know, from like the uh, primary school level. Because you understand that like we have lived in a communal way for tens of thousands of years, right? And I, I don't think that human beings are naturally good or evil, but we're naturally cooperative. Because we use nature to develop resources, right, for our own, like, development and betterment. Like, this idea that just because under this system, you know, and, I mean, we couldn't even talk about within an hour the tens of thousands of years of, like, you know, primitive accumulation and even the idea that, like, surplus value, you know, that at some point we were agricultural, 
we settled down though as well. And we created a surplus, produced a surplus, right, of, of goods, of food, which for some reason, some people decided to take hold over, right? And have like, you know, the majority of, right? And I mean, that's a simplistic like description, but, you know, you think about it like in the future and you think about like this, this society, especially now where we can't even imagine Medicare for all, right? In the United States, mm-hmm. right? Again, like why the fuck wouldn't you like, I think you were saying this, Jathan, not just like look to the future, but look to the past as well, mm-hmm. right? And see like what it actually means to be human, you know? Absolutely. You know, we're, we, we, all, we all believe in the immortal science of historical materialism here. <laughs> um, but I, I think, yeah, there is that like part of that dialectic is bringing the past and the future together into the present. Right. And I, and I think that like we just have been not taught to be able to do that. And, and not only just not taught, but like actively dissuaded against against thinking about it in that way against trying to do that i wish more people did was like try to lean in or really i I feel like you know with science fiction with also uh, posadism and thinking about aliens right that should be like a really good and fertile ground for people to really think like what are other alternatives you know that people can organize into that beings could organize to because like what limits us is is more more than anything else, I think, like, the history and the inertia of the institutions that we have, right? More than, like, human nature. You know, we've only been following a very specific set of political developments for a few thousand years, right? And I don't think it says anything meaningful about human nature that, like, we're in these structured, like, very strict, hierarchical-dominated societies. That says more about, like, power and how effective they are than, like, how humans are. At the same time, I feel like people back away from it because they're just like, oh, it's, like, they're not they're not human, right? Uh, or it's not something that has to do with humans or it's science fiction in one way or another. But, like, I, you know, me personally, a lot of the most interesting ideas that have been transmitted to me have been through fiction, right? Or been through, like, really engaging with outside imagination, right? And exploration. And... Because otherwise you're trapped in like the constant drumbeat of like, this is all we can be and this is all we'll ever be. Just like dirty, broken, mean, cruel beings that will kill each other at the first chance when that's not real. It's not, <laughs> not the case. Right. And like, I, I don't want to get stuck too much on this point, but like, I do want to say that uh, I've been planning an episode of uh, Adam Pod with uh, my comrade, um, about disaster movies, right? Mm. And uh, apocalyptic films from uh, the 40s. Like, I think we're going to start with Godzilla, like the original, right? Mm. Uh, Up until now. And what we've discovered is that, um, I mean, like all culture, right? Like, I think uh, uh, Stalin said, (laughs) you know, uh, supposedly that art is the engineer of the human soul, right? And, um, Mm. you know, that can be towards utopian, frankly, humanitarian ends, or... When you live under, you know, racial capitalism, right, imperialism, these movies, like through the ages, through the decades, they evoke a societal paranoia, right? And um, you see this, you know, from obviously Godzilla, you know, the fact that that was created out of this uh, fear, right? Like like social terror, right, of uh, the nuclear bomb mm-hmm. dropping, you know, to uh, even something like children of men, right? Which it gets to this point where we're not just like reacting like culturally to the Soviet Union or right outside invaders. 
But after the Soviet Union is defeated, it's about the inner internal fear, right? The internal paranoia, right? What the society essentially, this economy is doing to like us, right? And then you kind of get to like this point where I think fiction can definitely be, as you were saying, Ed, right? It can definitely be like a, a window, right? Into another alternate possibility, right? A better world. But like a lot of what's, I think, being created now and a lot of what people hinge upon is imagining like soon to be disasters, you know, like these films are not even set in like the far future. It's like now. Yeah. I mean, this, this motivates so much of the, the quote unquote innovation that's happening now too. And the kind of like, you know, techno utopian fantasies around it. I mean, we can even think about, I I think for me, like a perfect example of this is someone like Elon Musk, right? All these techno-utopian fantasies of like humanity going to the stars, exploring our our galaxy, our universe, you know, other other planets and so on, right? Like these fantasies have become like inverted, you know. They're they're now they're now just talked about as like sober truths, right? Like Elon Musk, you know, he's like framed this this celestial dream of going to Mars, not in terms of some kind of like open-ended possibility what could we find out there right like this is the next step for us but instead it's framed as like no like this is the escape from the impending earth eschaton right like (laughs) not not to cut you off but it's funny because like we all have sort of accepted like the impending like barbarism and like climate catastrophe you know it goes from like you know the rich like looking in and and funding like bunkers you know, I've read an article about that like a while ago, like they're actually like building bunkers for like either when we come for them or when the climate yeah. does for everyone. <laughs> or like motherfuckers are talking about like, oh, no, we're just going to like leave Earth and like soon we'll be like waiting in an Amazon company town while like Elon Musk is like shipping us off to his latest asteroid mine. You know what I mean? It's like that's all we can fucking imagine now. And it's like. It's sick and it's fucked up. It, it is you know? sick and it is fucked up. Right. <laughs> and people are so hungry for some idea, whether it is this like deus ex machina, right? Like, you know, Elon is going to save us or the aliens are going to come and save us or something is going to come and save us. Or even if we're not going to get saved, right? Like uh, by one big thing, we'll get saved by something like the Tesla car, right? Like, like the Tesla will save us uh, because it's a, it's electric and like it'll, you know, it'll get gas burning cars off there and, and it'll, it'll fix everything. You know, it's like we talked about last week with like Bill Gates saying that like the way to, to solve climate change is we need what he called quote hundreds of Elon Musk's, right? That's what we Jesus need. And they'll figure out a Christ. solution for it because they come up with wild ideas and, and people want to buy into that, right? People are hungry for something. You never have to worry about the people in Musk's factories, right? And how that technology is actually produced. Yeah. Can't save 15 tight or was it 20 Thai teenagers from a cave? How was he going to save the rest of the planet? <laughs> he was so salty about that, too. He was so salty about that. Uh, I mean, good. you did. And if we end up saving society, is he going to uh, call us a bunch of pedophiles, too? <laughs> probably. He'll, 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 <laughs> I mean, if we're looking at the most dubious like, scenario, he'll probably have the political power, uh, not by running for office, but because he is the only one get, that can uh, save humanity. 
sending us to the moon. We're doomed if he's. <laughs> Yo, that that's really what I imagine is this like I tweeted about the other day this culmination of like meme culture mm-hmm. and like this binary of posadism or this like a uh, uh, mirror that's like completely just I guess you can call it like futuristic libertarianism you know like all we have to do is just look towards people like elon musk and like zuckerberg who are going to like through their monopoly right on technology and really information you know what i mean right that they'll be able to like get us out of this apocalypse that we're about to face you know yeah you know last episode we talked about how bill gates frames himself like that you know bill gates likes to think of himself as just like you know i'm i can pick a here from this continent some information and this continent some information and put it together for like a very smart healthcare or education fix and the reality is it's just bullshit you know he's just really just picking and choosing stuff that reinforces what he would have advocated for anyway or what another person in this position would have advocated for anyway wow what a coincidence that all the people i chose think that charter schools are the best way to educate people oh, what's that what's this i have charter schools yeah. for you <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but they've been so successful as well like elon musk bill gates even zuckerberg up until recently up until he's like just shot himself in the foot and everyone's like all right this this man is you're out, first out of pocket. <laughs> like, like, well that was only, gone and- well that was only because like you know and I think uh, we can get into this too, like, because we were talking about this earlier, Jathan, like the Luddites, right? But, you know, I guess to jump off on that, the liberals and Democrats only got mad at Zuckerberg, right? Because Facebook was accused of uh, allowing, um, you know, propaganda, conspiracy theories, you know, like favoring like Trump, like only because I guess uh, it creates more traffic, right? It's more profitable, right? For people to have something to be mad about, right? To talk about. And um, that's the only reason why, like, they went after this motherfucker, man. And, you know, we were talking about, like, I really liked the episode you guys did on the Luddites because I thought, right, that these, like, Englishmen smashing up, you know, machines, you know, were mad at the fact that, yes, they're mad at the fact that machines are taking their jobs, but they're not just, like, centering their anger, right, over the machines themselves, right? It's this idea that you can actually use technology right? Because it is a tool, right? It can be used by like anyone. It just happens to be used by the capitalist class, right? right? To like oppress us all instead of liberating us. So I guess like that's a, it's, that's one thing too that um, I think is, again, to go back to Posadism that is appealing, right? Like using technology for like good, which is possible, man. You know, I don't know if you can do that with Facebook, but you know, I don't know how you create like a comrade, like, you know, social media type shit. I keep thinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is, that is a good, that is a really good point too, where it, in within the Luddites was this idea of technology as, you know, the potential for a force for good. This is something as well that I really like about friend of the show, Aaron Beninov, his kind of take on socialism, which is like a very kind of like scientific socialism that he's been kind of sketching out this theory and really is about what kinds of technologies are needed. How, how must they be organized and developed? What does a kind of like, you know, what I think of as like red innovation, right? Innovation for socialism, innovation for communism. What does that, what does that look like? Um, and it definitely me it definitely does look like you know that a lot of things that currently do exist have to be smashed because they're so corrupt from the very beginning right something like Facebook right and I think a lot of people are coming to this conclusion I just I read a piece by um, Will Aramis who's a 
uh, a great tech reporter at One Zero, and in the and he was talking about Facebook and Zuckerberg and all this. And in that in that piece, he said something like, "You know, the more I think about it, the more I'm coming to the conclusion that the world would probably be a better place if Facebook just never existed." Like this is an example of a technology that no, we don't need to think about how do we how do we appropriate it? How do we change it and tweak it? It's like, that's an example of a technology that we need to think about. How do we fucking like pull the plug on it? Get snuffed the fuck out. Even, even technologies that, that could be really beneficial, could be really good, are now like so driven by this capitalist imperative that they're used for the most evil on one hand, but also just inane and absurd reasons on the other hand, right? Like, I want to segue talking about Elon Musk, talking about all this. I came across a post uh, recently from a, uh, it was a Facebook post on um, the Tesla owners, Utah Facebook post. And uh, I think this is just a perfect example of how something like. There's a Tesla owners, Utah Facebook, like Facebook group. group. It's a group. (laughs) It's so diseased. There's Facebook groups for literally everything. And, and, oh, so and, you, and you know, and you know, the Tesla people are fucking, and Musk people are fucking fanatics. So yeah, they've got they've got these like groups where they just like like post about how great this is and how oh look at my Tesla, I'm so excited well, I got it. Well, he's the techno king now, so that, that's, that's right. that makes a lot of sense. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but this like this is such a perfect example of the way in which like a technology like autonomous driving uh, or like remote access to a car has just been completely corrupted because it's like fucking Elon Musk and Tesla. So this post on this Tesla owners Utah group goes, friendly reminder to make your payments this month. I have a friend who is a repo agent. Tesla hired him to go get this car. And there's a picture of a a Tesla car being towed away. The whole process was pretty cool. Tesla located the car through GPS, backed it out of a parking stall, unlocked and honked it all remotely to make it easier for my friend, the repo agent, to hook it up. They mentioned once FSD, which is like the automated driving, is better. They'll probably just have the cars drive themselves back to Tesla in this situation. Technology is amazing. Can you can you imagine a future in which like because everyone has to have their car insured, where like through the use of like smart like you know uh, the what 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 do they call it the um uh uh. Oh, the uh, the IoT, the Internet of Things. Yes, things? the Internet of Things. Exactly. Oh, Jathan. Like, Jathan. Think about the fact. <laughs> like, thank you. I could not think of that. But thank you. I mean, that is the terror, right? Because, like, what does that mean? Like, the Internet of Things will be used by like these fucking corporations to like. There will be a point where if you don't pay your car insurance, your Tesla or your whatever the fuck it is will lock your car doors, right? Like right. in the same way that there are companies that are looking Eject at you. Like, how. Yeah, there there are companies that are looking at how to like uh infuse that technology into mm-hmm. homes and how to lock a person's house if you don't make a payment on your like mortgage or your landlord. Like you won't be able to get in your car because you haven't paid. Like that's insane. What the fuck? And drive back to the Tesla <laughs> to be cleaned up and like like sold and stuff. <laughs> yeah, else. like fucking innovation looks like your Tesla is fucking like self repoing itself, right? But but yes. the wild the wild thing is is like 
everything you, all the technology uh, that you just laid out, Aaron, already exists. And would you believe it that it's been being used on uh, poor people, black people, people of color, vulnerable populations for a long time? The innovation here is that Tesla has taken something that has been being used for like years on other people and made it a luxury feature in their car. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, now you too, because you're white, you can get this, right? You paid $100,000 for the privilege to get repo. Yeah. Now you can feel broken shit when you miss it. <laughs> That's solidarity. Well, no, it's just like, it's all it's augmenting privilege, right? Yeah. Because like the if the capitalist class is the one who has the monopoly, uh, the monopoly on this technology, right? And like the only people that can afford it are people who like through one way or another exploit other fucking people. Like, of course, they need to feel good about doing so. Mm -hmm. They need to feel like it's like nextdoor.com, man. You feel good about reporting on the black man who just like stepped on the corner of your lawn while he was going to the house like five doors down. It's insane. And you use technology to do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jesus. I moved to Washington State from New Orleans about four years ago. And before when I lived in New Orleans, you get these tags in the mail, little cards in the mail to ask you to join neighborhood. So I finally did it under a different, like under assumed name, just, just for the sole purpose to see which ones of my neighbors were racist. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. I mean, you know, Practice. it was a pretty, pretty, pretty mixed neighborhood, but you'd always see posts on there just about uh, random shit like that. And uh, I don't want to sidetrack this episode too much, but one of the guys that wasn't on uh, next door, someone went over and let him know that uh, a neighbor was posting shit about him. But he just rolled up in the yard, started screaming, throwing cans and bottles at their windows, nice. telling them to come out and fight. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "You got, you go want to talk shit? Come talk shit in my face." Yeah, I love it. Bring that computer out, and I break that shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like this is the kind of person that if he got his like Tesla repoed, he would just hide in the trunk and pop out. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 Tesla, it would be vertical integration. They would have like you know like a little a pod that you could get into, and you could like <laughs> escape your neighbors who are bad at you, you know, and then fucking like get back home somehow, like a couple hours later. I, I like that shit. I like that though. You know, you want to post shit, you go and catch these hands. All right. <laughs> 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 this this all goes back to what we were talking about before. You know, one of my favorite people on 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 Twitter um, at Hypervisible. He's posting about surveillance stuff all the time. Really great takes. Um, but he wrote this really great essay a while ago talking about this distinction between imposed surveillance and luxury surveillance, uh, and how like you know a lot of these technologies look and operate the same exact way. It's just one is marketed as something that is like a luxury feature, like the Tesla thing, right? But then the other one is something that is uh, forced and hoisted upon people as an imposed version of surveillance. You know, like the Tesla example is is just great, right? Like I I mentioned that these technologies already exist. um, And, you know, I've written about this before. It's this technology called the car starter interrupt device, which is exactly this, where it's you get a subprime auto loan. And as part of the conditions of this subprime auto loan, they install this device in your car that, yeah, like tracks the GPS of it. 
can can automatically turn off the engine of the car if you miss a payment, sometimes by like a day, can set up like a geofence so you can only drive within certain areas, like from home to work. And if you go outside of there, then like it's, it'll turn off your car. This goes back to this example of like to understand where capitalist technology is heading, you always got to look at the people that are having this shit imposed on them and then trace the way that it becomes marketed as luxury for everyone else. You know, I, I just don't think that a lot of people that sit in these privileged positions, like these Tesla owners who are just fucking fanatics for this, um, realize that, like, unless they are themselves Elon Musk, they're not going to escape this, right? Like, this shit's going to come for you in one way or another, eventually. It's going to come for you, just like it already came for other people. Yeah, you know, there's a piece you wrote about the ways in which smart tech or te network technologies being embedded in things allowed for insurance coverage to expand and regulate. And there's this interesting paper that you embedded in there from 2002, and they said something like, within a regime of liberal governance, insurance is one of the greatest sources of regulatory authority over private life. And I think about how, you know, as you write in there, right, this embedding everything with uh, these, you know, constant surveillance units and data flows uh, to consolidate elsewhere and then figure out another way to financialize and make money off of, they, they analyze it, they discipline you, they regulate you, they punish you, and end up being more pervasive and more intrusive and more authoritarian than people might immediately think. Because when people think, oh, they're embedding like the smart thing, I mean, they think uh, convenience, sometimes they think about surveillance, but then they don't think about the ways in which the market is going to immediately come in. And once the market comes in and creates these massive uh, ways to financialize or to ensure these behaviors, good fucking luck getting out of that, right? That's because now billions of dollars are backed into that. And now uh, our huge you know, actors are going to be invested in protecting it and lobbying for it and expanding it further and then writing bullshit white papers and think pieces about why this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you know? You know, isn't it great that now you, your car will deactivate if you go outside of a route that you normally wouldn't? I mean, that's just like, what if your car got stolen? You know, what if your kid went for a joyride? Like those are the, those are the arguments that are used to defend this sort of shit when it's like, no, actually that's just so... Like now that's just going to come up with more ways to commodify it. Now you only get like I could you can imagine a scenario, for example, where someone has a specific route and they get sold some package, right, where it's like you only drive this way so you can pay for the privilege of coverage for a certain amount of miles and then also get like a bonus where you get you're allowed to go a little bit outside of that. But if you drive more than that, let's say you want to have a spontaneous road trip or you just have an emergency, well, fuck off. <laughs> you got to pay me. I'm not going to let your car turn mm -hmm. Ed, you pointed something like, I think that liberalism, what it does is that it, when I buy a pack of cigarettes and don't smoke, no one ever smokes, it's horrible, right? But even when like, or, or sneakers or anything, right? Like, you know, maybe this is because like, I'm neurotic and weird, right? Sometimes, you know, I'm a little stumbled <laughs> and I'm like, man, who made this shit, man? You know what I mean? And like, I, I think about the, the dead labor embodied in that product, right? And I think... Especially like this idea, like again, that post, right, that you brought up, Jason, this idea that people think that these are good things is sort of endemic, like in liberalism, mm. right? In the idea that it's okay to like punish people for these things, because this is the cost of 
this liberty, right? And this freedom, right? And we have to have like a sort of a balance, you know? We have to make sure that people are being accommodating towards rules and regulations, right? In order for them to enjoy the privilege of this technology. You know what I mean? And it's like really sick and fucked up where you end up defending like shit, like your car getting like repo. You know what I mean? And, 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 and ending your <laughs> post by being like, technology is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, because technology is like, you know, uh, as an individual, right? Which liberalism like professes as an individual, like you only get to enjoy technology when you are responsible. Mm-hmm. If you're a responsible individual, you know, like you get to enjoy like the fruits of like societal labor, you know what I mean? And they never question who does that labor, who does la- the la- that labor, who like owns it, where does it come from, you know, under what conditions? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It makes me think of that post that you had a while back, a little while back ago, Ed, where you were like, they really do be manufacturing consent. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that was amazing. Uh, yo, when I saw that, I was in my bed, like so stoned off of edible, and yo, it made me laugh like so fucking hard. That's so amazing. Yo, that was a really good. Time. I'm glad. I'm glad it resonated with so many people because they really do, man. They would say, what would they say? They were saying some bullshit that oh, day. That was and about. Like, uh, that about how Biden <laughs> called off an airstrike because there was a woman oh and a God. child in the area. Yo, because of it, yo, I could have bought, I could have killed more people, but I didn't <laughs> because of this woman and child. Yeah. Oh my God. Jesus. Where was that energy when he was the vice president? They kill hundreds of civilians, <laughs> thousands. Nowhere. He was sleeping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, I think that we do have to uh, to apply that same analysis of manufacturing consent to the tech sector, right? Like, because that is, that is exactly what they are doing, right? And it was for a while that they were using, you know, they were using the media to do that, right? Up until very recently, like tech media was the handmaiden of Silicon Valley, right? Their whole purpose of existence was to basically say this thing is amazing technology is amazing this thing is amazing it's only recently that there's been some like critical scrutiny of it we can sell you a better future you know like i I think that's what it is man like i when i watched like the jetsons which like i think aired in like the 50s and 60s you know and like what they envisioned you know what i mean and you even look at like films that like blade runner which like you know took place like two years ago or some shit like that. And you're like, yo, people had these like fantastical ideas about what the future would be. So when Elon Musk tells you that he can build a tunnel, which you have to own a Tesla car to use this tunnel, but he'll build a tunnel like, you know, underneath California that'll take you from here to there. You know, it's like, yeah, dude, for for who though, mm-hmm. right? And like, right. you don't you don't think about that. Yeah, and I wonder though if they do think about that, and the reason why they never talk about it is because they don't want to they don't want to open that can of worms. They yeah. must know, like, that they're building these things for a certain number of people, right? Like, they, they are going to own the distribution of these benefits and these innovations, but they play stupid. Right. They play stupid because they know if they ever acknowledge that question in public, then like they're not going to put that back in the box. 
You know, there's this impersonator, James Adamine, he does like a really good Elon Musk impersonation. And one of them, he was talking about how the tunnel is just going to be a transportation system that takes you from Beverly Hills to Lower East Side. And <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, you know, honestly, though, that's, 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 that, if Elon Musk had his way, that's all it would be. Or like Beverly Hills to Orange County or whatever, you know, some like enclaves of wealth, right? Hamptons, like it's not, it's not going to be something for you or me, nor should it be. You know, I also, I think, I think of it also like with the less extravagant examples like Uber and Lyft, you know, like they, all of these feed the idea that primary utility of technology is delivering convenience to people and not, not like, not like freeing them from labor, not freeing them from like drudgery, not improving their quality of life, but providing convenience to them at the expense of like common infrastructure, public goods or solidarity, or, you know, connections to other people, you know, fuck the bus. Everybody hates the bus. You know, don't you just want to be in a fucking tunnel that slingshots you against the wall sometimes, and then sometimes gets you to your destination. (laughs) (laughs) It's not really what you want. Oh, my friend just sent me a very interesting story that we can talk about. He said... An SF poop testing startup once compared to Theranos was charged in a $60 million fraud scheme. (laughs) I mean, that's just fucking the fraud stories as well. Just keep coming. They just keep pouring in as well. How much of this shit is fraud? You know, all right. Allegedly fraud, right? How much of this shit is alleged fraud? (laughs) They 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 were indicted on multiple federal charges on Thursday, so it's fraud. Okay. They got okay. consp- conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit healthcare fraud, and money laundering. I'm not I'm not Dude, saying like, go listen to our episodes on Clover Health, but go listen to our episodes <laughs> on Clover Health. <laughs> You know, people like talk about like, you know, crime, whether it's like shoplifting or like property damage or like theft or whatever, man, mm-hmm. like these fucking corporations and these companies are committing not just wage theft, but actual theft through like financial services, like every financialization every fucking day. Yo. Yeah. And, and then, only, it's, but it's it's violence. <laughs> if you throw anything out a window, that's the real crime. That's the exactly burning Wendy's, and that's a crime, man. Yeah, it, it's only a crime when it's when it's financial crime, when it's like securities fraud. It's not like you know when it's a crime against capital. It's not a crime when it's a crime against labor in the in the form of like wage theft. Oh, this so this company they were called Ubiome, a direct to consumer service called Gut Explorer with collect a fecal sample that was then analyzed in a laboratory and compared to your microbiome, compared your microbiome to other microbiomes. So then it grew to include clinical tests of gut and vaginal microbiomes. Then it was going to be connected to medical providers so that they could seek up to $3,000 in reimbursements from health insurance companies. They sought upward of $300 million in reimbursement claims from private and public health insurers from 2015 to 2019. And they were ultimately paid more than $35 million for tests that were, quote, never (laughs) validated and not medically necessary. Like, you know shit is bad when motherfuckers have commodified like shit. (laughs) Like, I know, like, you know, the fucking, like, uh, fertilizer industry exists, but literally analyzing, like, human shit. 
I mean, the, the wild thing here is this is another perfect example of like, like there is a lot of really good medical knowledge and information to be gleaned by like analyzing people's microbiomes and analyzing their fecal matter and their shit and stuff like that. Right. But like, what does it look like when a company actually tries to do it and gets like, you know, well, I'm sure some multi-billion dollar valuation from venture capitalists mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, talking about this is gonna this is gonna disrupt the healthcare system and stuff. What's it actually look like in practice? Securities fraud. 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 <laughs> Nothing is sacred. Nothing is sacred. Yeah. In 2018, the, one of the co-founders won an innovator award from Goop. <laughs> Goop. Like, okay. the, okay. the bit continues. Yes. <laughs> it's just also wild, like. Like, it goes back to something we've said before as well. It's like, I mean, on one hand, this shit is just, this shit literally is just fucking hilarious, right? It's absurd and it's hilarious. Uh, but it is also so enraging, not because, like, they did some, some security fraud. It's like, all right, yeah, I mean, that shit sucks when you're, like, defrauding insurance companies and stuff. It sucks more so when it's, like defrauding medicare and medicaid and these like government payers right it's like that's why we can't have nice things like like you know universal health coverage it's because there's just so much graft and so much grift going on it's so enraging too because it's like and this goes back to what we were saying at the beginning we deserve a better class of technology we deserve stuff like this that actually works and works for the people and and provides like good, better healthcare distributed widely across the society. Uh, but instead, this is what we get, right? These are the award-winning innovators that we're saddled with. Like Ed said earlier, man, like if you're taking that uh, that boring tunnel, you know, like you don't want to get thrown against the fucking wall, right? right. <laughs> you don't want to get thrown against the fucking wall to explode, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, if you want to, I mean, this won't be affordable like to everyone. And this is nothing too, like these ventures like space tourism you know mm -hmm. like even tourism in itself like how problematic that can be when it's monopolized by like you know industries like uh like the cruise industry right the cruise ships which operated continued to operate like when covid like we all fucking knew about it right but besides that just mm -hmm. like you don't want to get like blown up in a fucking rocket you know what i mean you don't want to get like blown up in a plane this technology should not just be like accessible to everyone, but it shouldn't like cut corners, you know, so that like people have to pay exorbitant amounts like for the privilege of dying. And, and that's like, that's the imperative that's built into this capitalist system of innovation as well, right? It is about like cutting corners and it is about, I mean, that startup that you just told us about Ed, that just got fucking got knocked for fraud. Uh, you know, like Theranos, like all these things, like Clover Health, like all the, uh, like so many of the things we've talked about, it really is about uh, doing marketing uh, and calling it innovation, calling it disruption. It, it is about just like fucking manufacturing consent again, like telling people this exactly. is what exists and this is what it's going to do. But like these things never come, right? It's like, where, where's the fucking flying taxis for Uber, right? Like, where, exactly. where's the autonomous driving? Exactly. No, instead of autonomous driving, what you get is a Tesla that like self-repos itself, right? Like that, that's what you get. Exactly. That's what we and, and who are the people like, I know this is already a meme, but like a, a joke, but who are the people like living below like that Sky City, that the Jetsons mm -hmm. live in, right? Again, it goes back to like, who is actually producing, you know, 
this technology that we all have come to like enjoy. Some of us, many of us, increasingly not enough. And for what you know? Yeah, being. I mean, I think you know. I think that is one of the reasons why a a film like Elysium um, has really stood the test of time because it is telling that other story of the Jetsons. Like, if you understand Elysium as the Jetsons, just told from a different point of view. That's exactly what it is. And the shitty thing is, too, is that I was like, like thinking about this recently, actually, that when you watch the Jetsons, they fucking hate their life, too. Like, like the, the fucking uh, I don't I don't remember his name, but, you know, the the, the patriarch of the Jetsons family. George. Jetson, yeah, yeah, George Jetson has has this fucking job. That, you know, his boss is, like, always, like, over his shoulder, is always yelling at him, right? Like, like going, again, it all circles back to what we first were talking about. It's, like, even something like the Jetsons, which was supposed to be this, like, you know, space-age futuristic cartoon, you know, all that. Even then, it embodied all of the fucking worst elements of capitalist labor, wage labor, Exactly. You ever notice on those old Hanna-Barbera cartoons back in the day how every one of the bosses looked like Hitler? <laughs> they all had the same Shit. kind of and a little mustache. Look back, oh and it's one of those like hit the blunt moments. Like, did you know that the, the Flintstones are actually what's going on on the ground, and the Jetsons are up in the sky? You know, hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like some creepy pasta shit, like three M would have high as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it goes back to something you were saying earlier, Aaron, too. Like, and Ed as well. You know, on one hand, the tr- the like the trade off that we're always given is is convenience, right? We get a little bit more convenience in exchange for getting thrown against the wall in the hyperloop or whatever, in exchange for like these existential risks increasingly that convenience is there also to, like you were saying, Aaron, like distract us from all the other stuff that technology is doing, what it's actually meant to be doing, right? Like the convenience is like the trickle down innovation aspect. It's not really the the purpose of the technology and the convenience acts as a way to, uh, to fetishize these technologies, to uh, disconnect us from the labor that's into them and the implications of them, right? In the broader sense, you know, it makes me think as well about the way, you know, you brought up dead labor and it brings up this like one of my favorite quotes from from the God himself, Marx, uh, you know, talking about dead labor and talking about, he says, quote, factory work exhausts the nervous system to the uttermost. And through the despotic discipline of dead labor used to dominate living labor, capital confiscated every atom of freedom from workers, both in bodily and intellectual activity. I mean, it's hard not to look at something yeah. like the Amazon warehouses, which are chock full of uh, of robotics and sensors and automated technology, um, as doing this exact kind of thing, right? Using the dead labor of those of the monotron and the panorama systems uh, to confiscate every atom of freedom from the people working in those warehouses. It, it reminds me of. Um... You know, another. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I, I I thought I wanted to, but I didn't. I guess I didn't get to it. Um, uh, the Society of the Spectacle, my other like hobby horse. You know, besides like besotism, <laughs> and like uh, just this idea that the spectacle um is the guardian of sleep, right? Um, under like life under commodity production, right? What it what it does is it's not so much about uh the tools that it uses right to placate you to remove you from politics and political action um 
it's also about like how it does, mm-hmm. you know, and this idea that like, especially with consumer technology um, or consumer technology, I was thinking about social media, but that is consumer technology. It's just reworked it in a way that is unapparent to so many people who actually like want to buy like a flat screen mm-hmm. TV, right. Or want to buy like this product or that product. But like what it essentially does is that it justifies like ruling class ideology. Right. And I think a big part of like consumer technology and this idea of like, you know, folks like Elon Musk who are, you know, so supposedly forward thinking is this like idea that like it will make your life better. It will fulfill you. Right. Like that's the spectacle's purpose, right? To fulfill you to the point that you are placated. You don't want to seek outside independent political action, collective action, right? To like change that, to make technology work for you. Mm -hmm. And again, like, yeah, you were saying this earlier, Jathan. I guess this is what I want to say too, is that, yeah, there are certain technologies like, you know, social media, that's part of the spectacle. That should be destroyed and abolished. I don't think there's a healthy way to operate like a platform like that in a communist society. You know? mm. I mean, I, I, I love this as well because I think we do have to understand, and this is something we need to explore uh, in future episodes, that convenience is an ideology, and increasingly it is the ruling ideology of our techno-society. There are some things that it's not that we need to make them easier. It's that we need to change how they're done or who does them, right? And make it more fair, transparent. It is not a radical, I don't think it's contradictory to say, yeah, we can use technology to make sure that the worst work, the most drudgery work is not done by people or distributed fairly. And also to be like, you don't need to have the ability to call a private car to transport you anywhere you want, anytime you you know and and that instead of that private on-demand system or some other series of on-demand systems that are convenient we have things that yeah they're not going to get you where you need to immediately but do you need to go where you need to go immediately what if we had just like built up a social system and a political system where you can take a little extra time to go somewhere and get somewhere because you're not always on some crunch trying to hustle i mean that's also part of the thing too right people are trained and ingrained in them that their time is precious it's a commodity that you can't let slip away from you and so you need convenience because if you're not convenient then you're wasting time and you're wasting money Right. Yeah, exactly. Rest, time that's is why money. we need to abolish time. time is right. Money. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We need to abolish time, man, because what is time under advanced right. commodity production? It's shaving your life away into like little compartments. It's comp- mm-hmm. compartmentalizing your whole entire existence. Yes. I mean, that, that, that is a, also, I mean, that is itself a super interesting track to go down as well, because we can talk about, you know, Lewis Mumford, uh, who was, a, you know, mm-hmm. early theorist of technology, early critic of technology, uh, you know, like early 20th century, right, talked about the clock as a capitalist technology. The clock and, and time was created um, relatively recently, right? Like, like industrial time is a pretty recent invention, and it was created as a way to uh, discipline and orient people towards the the rhythms of working in factories, right? Of sleeping at certain times, working at certain times, you know. And that that is itself. I'm thinking here as well about a quote by. Uh, Depeche uh, Chakrabarty, who's a, a great Marxist uh, uh, academic, 
Um, and he wrote in this book of, about 10 years ago, he said, quote, the worker in the history of advanced capitalism has no option but to shed pre-capitalist habits of work and internalize work discipline. And there, you know, he's, he's, he's riffing on like E.P. Thompson's book on the, the work, uh, uh, the making of the working class, you know, the English working class. But this gets exactly to that thing, right, of like, that's what capitalist industrial time is. That's what convenience is, right? That's what all of this is. That's what these like frictionless interfaces, right? Like, you know, when, when people talk about frictionless interfaces, they're talking about something like the iPhone, right? Like it's, it's a really nice user experience. It just works, right? But what that means as well is that you don't have to think about how it works, who it works for, who made it, any of those questions, because it's just a frictionless convenient interface. You know what else is a frictionless interface? Fucking sitting at, you know, working at Amazon, standing in one place, checking this thing, putting it in this box, checking this thing, putting it in this box, working in a factory, screwing in the same widget 10,000 times a day, that's a frictionless interface too, right? That's, that's what all of this actually looks like in practice. It's a way to, um, as you know, Chakrabarty said, like shed those pre-capitalist habits and internalize the work discipline of capitalism. I was thinking when you were talking, like, you know, we commodified like you know produce like clocks that you could wear on your wrist all the fucking time and then not only have we done that but we've thrown jewels right into them special features that again is the synthesis of like what marx wrote and what de Boer kind of um extrapolated on like to capital right like it's kind of a sequel like society of spectacle to capital because it's now it's about the appearance of mm -hmm. right it's about looking like you have like a certain uh, a class status, right? About other people, you yourself feeling as if you're worthy, right? And technology, unfortunately, right? Because we are not the ones who are in control of it. Like, unfortunately, that's a lot of what technology does, right? It's that um, imposed, um, what were we saying? Imposed convenience uh, versus forced convenience. The imposed right? versus luxury, surveillance. Versus luxury, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, that, that is exactly right. And, and to think in, you know, good dialectical terms, you have to understand the imposed and the luxury as in a relationship with each other, uh, essentially organized and created to do the same exact thing, just marketed in different ways, manufacturing consent in different ways. Well, that's why, man, like, I think here we're all advocates of a luxury space communism <laughs> for the people. Right. right. Lug luxury for the people, right? Luxury for the people. I mean, this this has just been a great conversation. We're going to let you get going, Aaron. And uh, I also, I, I do want to foreshadow a little bit. I like that you brought up Society of Spectacle and Dubrah um, because in a, in a couple weeks, we're actually planning on getting deeper in this. We've got uh, Liv Agar coming on the podcast. And Hell we're yeah. going to go deeper in. I, I recorded with her for the episode for uh, for my pod on the Society of Spectacle. Her and Julian. Yeah, Fink. I want to recommend. I, I loved that episode. Uh, everyone should go listen to Trillbillies and listen to Adam Pod, A Time of Monsters, for sure. And I, and I think a really great entry point into Adam is the episode you did with Liv and Julian from QAnon Anon. Yeah, just, I mean, it, it really, like, 
resonated with me and clarified with me just what is the society of the spectacle? What is the thought of Guy Debord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Like, uh, you know, it's just, it was kind of tight to like explore this book that I've been become obsessed with, with people who are much smarter than me as it was talking to you guys, man. Like, you know, it was, it was tight to like kind of bounce, like as a comrade, like I feel like a lot of the times I uh, not just go on podcasts, but talk to other comrades, like, and we don't talk about technology, mm. right? We don't talk about futurism and utopia and what that means under like a collectivist society. Mm. So like, that's why I like, I love y'all show, man, because you guys like actually understand that, right? Uh, you don't have to be doomer only because, uh, you know, we're, we're in some fucking, uh, uh, like Blade Runner. Yeah, <laughs> negative, man. Uh, uh, the Terminator. We're not, we're not doomed to a Terminator. Right. Sort of right. right. Mm-hmm. We don't have to fear Skynet. We can be Skynet. You know what I mean? We can do it. I think so. I think so. I hope, I hope so. We have to. We have no choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This has been a fantastic conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. listen to Trillbillies. Listen to A Time of Monsters. Uh, follow Aaron at Thaddeus Stevens. All this will be linked in the episode description. Anything else mm-hmm. you want to plug where people can find you, Aaron? No, man, that's it. And like, I appreciate again, this conversation so much, man. Like I was really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, I still get nervous when I go on podcasts. And shit, I do too. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. <laughs> all the time, yo. But uh, there's just something kind of like thinking about like a nerd, again, like myself. And I don't mean that pejoratively, right? But I should say someone at least, especially if you're a comrade, man, you should be thinking about the future, right? Like, and especially technology and how important that is to like our global class struggle. And uh, you guys like know what that's like, man. And you're nerdy enough to talk about it. So, uh I'm really grateful to to have the opportunity to do it with you. Uh, oh, thanks, thank man. You. It was really great having you on to talk about all this. You know, really one of favorite convos we've had so far. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, and uh, I need you guys to come on my show anytime, yeah. oh, anytime, at some point in the near future. For sure. Let us Let know. know. I want to thank everyone else for listening. Uh, subscribe at patreon.com slash this machine kills uh, for premium episodes every single week. Um, and we, I think we're, we're going to have a great one this week. We're going to riff through a lot more articles and, and, and just kind of like continue this, this strain of thought in that episode. So thank you all for listening and we will see you later. Peace.
It's machine kill.